Hello and welcome to the Kalamazoo Church of Christ podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We're a startup church we just planted in September 2020. And at the Kalamazoo Church, we believe that Christianity is done best when it is done together. And so if you live in the Kalamazoo area, we would love to connect. Be it coming to a Sunday service, one of our small groups, or even just grabbing coffee with a member to learn more. You can visit kalamazoo.church in order to do that. We pray that you are inspired by what you hear today. Um, you guys you guys can open up in your Bible to Matthew 7. We'll be there in just a little bit. You, you guys know what, what we've been looking at and what we've been going through is this, this whole series, this whole year long is on the theme of being rooted. And, and we understand that when we dig deep roots, we bear much fruit. That's a promise from God, and it's always going to be true. Uh, this this month we're looking at greater vision and being the, the the focal point of the starting point. And at first we said, well, we have to have a proper vision of God. And then we said we have to have a good view, vision of of what's going on in our past or what's occurred then. Uh, we we have been focusing on these six things as being tools to help us connect with God and really connect with this greater vision that God has in store. For us, and then, and then last week again, with the one of the the big things I think that I, I've sat with is the truth that if you don't use your misery for ministry, your misery becomes a mystery, and that whatever happened in our past, there's so much good, there's enough bad too, and if we're not going to put a proper frame around it, then then we're we're we're, we're lost. Amen. This week, what I want to look at is vision of the present, okay. and and basically, this is. A sober view of ourself. This is a sober view of other people, and then it's a sober view of of suffering. Um, but but really, if our vision of the present, it must be accurate if we're going to see the future through the eyes of faith. And and for you and me, we want to see the future through the eyes of faith. We don't want to look in the past and say oh, our our best is behind us. We want to see there's faithful things that are happening. There's there's growth that is occurring on a daily basis, certainly in our lives, but, but there's so much that is to come. But if we're going to get there at what is to come, then we need to have a good assessment of what's going on right now. And so we, we've got three points this morning. One is a humble view of self. The second is a gracious vision of others. And the third is a hopeful vision of suffering. The W is a typo. First point this morning is a humble Vision of self. You, you guys can go to Matthew 7. You know, there are, there are a few things, sit with me here, that are more stressful than somebody that does not have a humble vision of themselves. There, there are a few things that, that really make me, at least, and maybe I'm just sharing, make me worried more than, than somebody who just doesn't know what's, what's going on with themselves. And why, why do I say that? Well, I, I don't know about you guys. So I, I, there's this show called... Well, I'm not even sure what it's called. I think it's a, the Great Kids Bake Off or something to that effect. Like, I don't know if you guys have watched any of these these baking shows where they make the most amazing like cupcakes and all of these these different things. The Great British Bake Off, or I mean, it's it's so impressive when grown-ups make things that you're like, I've never seen that before. They're putting stuff in the oven for this amount of time. They have 
different tools and contraptions, and, and they're, they're managing all of these different things. It's very, very, very impressive when you see people do that. I don't know if you guys have watched those shows or if it's just me. But I don't know if you – there's there's something else when you see a, a kid try to do that stuff. When there's, when there's 10-year-olds, 8- or 9-year-olds – and they're running around the kitchen. They're looking for all of these different ingredients. They're spilling everywhere. And these are really the best of the best kids. They just don't really have a, a, a proper vision of, of where they're really at as a, as a baker. And they'll put this smoked whatever. They'll use this blowtorch that I have no idea what that even does. And they'll, they'll put a torch around it. They'll put something in the freezer and, and everything. They try to make ice cream out of everything. And so they put it in this, this, this chiller that's supposed to make ice cream quickly. And then it never turns out well. The consistency is always too thin and they never leave it in long enough. And, and the, the, whatever they bake is always overcooked. And you can kind of fill in the blank. And these are, these are, Good-hearted people. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I mean, it is, it is such a stressful show to watch, though, because you're, you're, you know a train wreck is imminent. You just don't know which one it's going to be. There was one of them that over the course of – there was maybe an hour and a half to cook, and he measured everything out perfectly. But it took him 45 minutes to do that. And so he's, he's measuring. Everyone else has stuff in the oven and it's preheating, and, and the judges are like, dude, hey, you need to get something in the oven pretty quickly here. And he just starts bawling. Yeah, I, as a, as, yeah, maybe your heart breaks. For me, I'm like, I knew that was going to happen. I saw that, <laughs> I saw that coming. There, there are a few things more stressful than, than people that don't have a humble vision of themselves. It's in Matthew 7, in verse 3, it says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, the, the scripture, certainly, it's, it's, talking about, it's, it's talking about sin. And, and it's saying that, that, that in order to address sin, what we have to do is we have to address what's going on in our own lives and have a, a proper view of ourselves. This is, this is so true, though. You, you, you think about, for, for you and I, what does that even mean? How can you have a big, you know, this, this big plank in your own eye? That doesn't make any sense. But sit with me, and I've, I've sat with this. I've, I've, I've done, I, I think I've said it at different points, but this scripture, it didn't haunt me, but it was something that I didn't really understand. What does it mean to have a plank in your own eye? I don't know anybody that actually has a plank in their own eye. But when, when there's even just a little bit of, of something in your eye, it, it looks like a plank, doesn't it? When there's just a little, little speck or a little bit of sawdust, work with me, in your own eye, it, it feels like it's so much bigger. Somebody from the outside can't even see it, and yet you know there's something wrong with my eye. For, for, for you and I, if, if we're going to address anybody else's sin, we have to realize that we know more about our sin than we do about anybody else's. Paul says it. It's 1 Timothy 1, 16. It says, uh, Christ Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am the worst. And we'd say, well, he's not the worst. You know, there's, there's worse than him. But according to, to where we stand before God, we, we just know more about our sin than everybody else outside of Jesus. Right. You, you, even your spouse, they, they know a lot about your sin. They know a lot about you at this point, uh, depending on how long you've been married. And the, the longer they, they know you, the, the more they realize how sinful you are. But the, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what you have to look forward to. As uh, you know, Jacob just got engaged. To you. That's what you have to look forward to, there, Jacob. Um, yeah. 
but you know more about your sin than anybody else does. And, and the reality is that sin also, it clouds judgment. Uh, we, we have to pay attention to the plank in our own lives if we are going to help other people. But if we say, ah, there's not, it's not that bad according to somebody, ah, it's, I'm doing pretty good in comparison. No, you, you're not. You, you know more about your sin than I do, and, and you got to deal with that stuff. This, this other scripture here, you can just write it down. It's in, it's in Revelation 3. This is Jesus now, and he's talking this post-resurrection. He's this vision that he's giving to a, a specific church in Laodicea. It says, you say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Those are some big words, wretched. Pitiful, poor, blind, naked. I, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. If you, if you don't believe you're lost or you believe you're pretty good, then you don't need a savior. That's, that's, that's what he's communicating here. You think, you're, man, things are going well. I've got this and I've got that and I'm doing pretty good. Okay. But you don't, you don't see properly. You don't have a humble vision of yourself is what, is what Jesus is saying to a whole church. For you and I, I think we have to be pretty thoughtful about the vision that we have for ourselves. Yeah, for sure. You know, the, the, the real deception is that, that pride defends our inaccurate vision of ourselves. And so work with me here. So pride, it leads to an inaccurate vision of ourselves. We think that we, we're better than we are. I, I, I know that I can do this. I know... Ah, yeah, but I'm, I'm just really good. I feel like I'm a good person. So it leads to an inaccurate vision. But then it's, it's just as sinister. You know what else it does? Is it defends this inaccurate vision, doesn't it? In an effort to, to upkeep this inaccurate view, maybe we'll posture and pretend, look, I, I have a little bit more money than I actually do. And I, I talk this big game, and so I have to, I have to show it. Or maybe we, we decide I'm going to pretend to be Smarter than I am. Well, the Bible says this, and you know in the scriptures, without really having much understanding of for myself. Pride defends our inaccurate vision of ourself. Pride says that, that you're the exception to whatever, whatever the, the Bible says or whatever wisdom says. That's what pride says. No, I'm, I'm the exception. Things are a little bit different in my, in my situation. Noah, if you understood... This, this, if you understood where I'm coming from, then, then you'd get it. I, I, yeah, I think, I don't think people should follow the way that I'm doing things, but I kind of make it work. Me and God have something going on here. That, that's what pride says. Pride makes the Bible more palatable. I, I know, I, I know the Bible says love your enemy, but you, I mean, this guy, I don't, I don't hate the guy. I just kind of keep my distance from him. Okay, that's, that's different than what the Bible teaches. That's what I know. You say, man, I, pride, pride leads us to, to, to feel like we are the exception. And so then we, we'd have the question, well, well where, where do we go then? I, you, you told me that I'm prideful, and maybe you put before me that I don't have a, this humble vision of yourself. Great. Well, then, then here in Proverbs 14.8, there's, there's a couple of, there's, there's three little scriptures that I think is kind of the plan to, to get to get right then, it, it just says, I brought this scripture up twice in the past week to two different people. It says the wisdom, maybe three times, it says the wisdom of the sensible is to understand his way, but the foolishness of fools is deceit. That's the uh, New American Standard Bible. 
The wisdom of the sensible is to understand his way. So the, the smart thing, the wise thing, according to this, is to really understand why am I doing what I'm doing? That's, that's what it says. This is what makes us wise is to understand where, why we're acting, how we're acting, to understand why this person triggers me in the way they trigger me, to understand why I feel so strongly about this issue that the Bible doesn't really take a huge stand on. And, and there's a couple of scriptures that I, I think lead us to do that. One is in Psalm 39, 23 and 24. You can just write it down. It says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And so if we are going to even understand uh, our own way so that we can be those who are humble and have a humble vision of ourselves, we have to call out to God and ask him, God, teach me what's going on inside my heart. You got to open that stuff up for me because I don't know if I, I can't see it correctly. The second thing we got to do, it's, it's Proverbs 27, 6. It just says, wounds from a friend can be trusted but an enemy multiplies kisses, and, and we have to talk to our, our friends then. Hey, where am I missing it? Where, do, where is my vision of myself just a little bit different than, than the accuracy, than what's accurate? And if we do those two things, and we have this, this desire to, to understand our own way, we'll be well on the path to have a humble vision of ourselves. You know, the, the, the second point is to have a gracious vision of others. You know, it's cool. These two things actually are, are, are pretty similar. If you have a humble vision of yourself, I, I don't know too many people that can have a humble vision of themselves and then not have a gracious vision of other people. Yeah. Yeah. We have a humble vision of yourself, right? You, you read, and you read in the, in the letters uh, that, that Paul wrote, some of them you might say, wow, they're very strong and they're very intense. And, but, but he had a vision of himself. A lot of them, I mean, you read the whole book of Philippians, he's just thanking God for them. He starts every letter. I'm so grateful for what's going on in this church. And that's, that's the reality of somebody who is, who is humble, who has a humble vision of themselves. In, in Matthew 18, we'll, uh, we'll go over there. Yeah. You know, if you realize that, that Jesus went on a cross for you at your worst, then it's going to prompt you to extend grace to other people. And, and when we fight with each other, the devil wins. That's, that's a truth that you have to sit with and come to a great conclusion of. When we fight with each other, the devil always wins. And when I say, hear me now, when I say we, certainly I mean in this room. That's true. But I mean it, humans. When, when mankind fights with one another, the devil wins. Think about what it would look like, certainly people wrong. You can, we can go down the list. Even just this week, you say, well, what has somebody done to you that's not good? Maybe your boss gave you too much work that you're like, this is not going to happen. I can't do it. Or maybe somebody, again, you're, you're driving or some tragedy happens. Or maybe somebody stole from you. You can fill in the blank. Great. But when we fight, the devil wins. And so somebody, it, what also is true is that it takes two people to fight. You know what I'm saying? Somebody can wrong you as much as you want. As much as, as much as they want. And it's still your choice to fight them or not. We can look at Jesus as a perfect example of that. He would not say he's fighting against anybody but, but sin. Wow. And people wronged him more than they've wronged you. Yeah. So Peter here in Matthew 18, we're not going to read the whole parable, but it's pretty powerful. Peter asks, hey, how, how many times should I forgive somebody? Should I forgive them seven times? And the, the 
understanding is seven is this, this number of completion in the Bible. He's saying, hey, seven times. This is what was actually understood even inside of when he was saying seven times. That's, that's a lofty, lofty number because what he was asking is if, I do, if someone does something wrong to me and then asks for forgiveness, I have to forgive him seven, uh, one time. And then if he does it again, the exact, right away afterwards, the exact same thing on the same day, I have to forgive him again another time. And do I have to do that seven times? He said, that's a, that's a lot. You know what I'm saying? To, to forgive somebody seven times for the same thing, you start to think they're not, they don't really understand what they're doing to me. They don't get it. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Not, not seven times. You can't even put a number on it, in fact. The, the Bible, it's, it's really powerful. The different, different translations, manuscripts, don't even have a great number for it. Either it's 77 times 7 or it's 70 times 7. And really the heart is, you just got to forgive, period. Jesus goes and tells this, this parable then of this unmerciful servant. This servant owes millions, and, and the number w- would have been outrageous. There's, there's no way that he could ever pay it back, you'd be, it's, it's, I think, the equivalent of billions and billions of dollars in today's world. There's no way that there's ever hope for this guy to pay it back. And he's, the, the, the master says, I got you, it's okay. And then the servant who is just forgiven is owed just a, a, a little bit less money, a significant amount, but it's less than that. And the servant's like, no, you, you, you got to pay me back. There's no hope for you. And this is what Jesus says. Uh, this is what he says in verse 32. It says, then the master, the master found out about this, and he called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how... My heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The scripture, it's about forgiveness, isn't it? And you'd say, well, what does that have to do with, with being gracious? Well, I'd, I'd put before you that what is grace if not this continued forgiveness? It's continued forgiveness. And, and you and I, we're we are the servant who's been forgiven or is on the path to being forgiven this enormous debt. And when we are wronged, it pales in comparison to how we've wronged Jesus. And there's always a decision for, for you and I to make. Are we going to be gracious with other people or are we just going to hold them to hold their feet to the fire and let them think about it for a little bit? The The... The truth is, for, for you and me, we judge ourselves based on our motives and our intentions. Yeah. And we judge other people based on their actions. Right. I, think it should, I think it should be flipped, so, so shouldn't it? This person, I, I think he, he has good intentions. And it wasn't, it wasn't perfect, but, you know, it's okay. You know, it, it's, uh, Jordan loves to help out. Uh, well, she loves to think she's helping out. Uh, when we're, we're, we're cleaning up or we're doing something and... Uh, trying to unload the dishwasher is a great example of this. She's like, I'm going to help. And she goes and she tries to grab stuff. And you're like, man, there's knives in there. So you're trying to pull out all the knives quick. And then 
you, parents know it, right? She takes plate and tries to do whatever and ends up, her hands are everywhere and they're smudging and she drops the, the cup right on the ground and you're like, what are you doing? Okay, her motive was to help. Okay, so it didn't, didn't work out great, but her motive is to help. And so, thanks, Jordan. That was awesome. I think, I think for you and I, we can do that with one another. Certainly, we're not going to, we're not perfect, but I, I would say the intentions of this, this room are pretty pure most of the time, almost all of the time. Let, let's be those that are, that are able to, to judge other people based on their motives and not, and not their actions. Then the, the, last, the last point is a hopeful vision of suffering. It, it says, it's in James 1. You're familiar with the scripture. You, you can't run away from it. It's, it's, very, uh, it's very difficult. It'll find you if you try to run. It says in verse 2 of James 1, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Consider it pure joy when, whenever you face trials of many kinds. It doesn't say if you face trials of many kinds. It doesn't say the, 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 the best of you are going to face trials of many kinds. It doesn't say your faith is going to be strong enough and then you're going to face trials of many kinds. No, it just says whenever you face trials of many kinds. It's going to happen. It is inevitable. If you are in... Uh, a season where you, you haven't faced an awful lot of trials lately, that's awesome. Like, I'm fired up for you. And I, I feel like in so much of, of my life over the past year and a half has really been that. Uh, it's been this awesome honeymoon in, in Kalamazoo where there's, there's mess. There's always issues. You guys get it. You know it. But honestly, I, I feel like this has been an awesome season of my life. This has been some of the most fun times that I've ever had, the most extended fun, the most extended joy that I've ever experienced. I can say that as a Christian without a shadow of a doubt. And I say all that to say that the, the promise in the Bible is that whenever you face trials of many kinds to consider it pure joy. And so I, I even say that understanding that it's not always going to be that way. It's not always going to be easy to find joy in, in what's going on in our circumstances. If it is right now, that's great. I think that's awesome. I don't, I'm not saying to run away from it. I'm not... Looking, I'm not going, you know, it's, it's Lion King, right? You know, being brave doesn't mean you go looking for trouble. And so I'm not, I'm not going to look for trouble. I'm, oh, man, this is what's, yeah, it's a huge trial that I have to overcome. No, I'm not, I'm not looking for it. But when it comes, I, I, the call in the Bible is for me to be ready for it. And the call in the Bible is for you to be ready for it as well. You know, I, I think, sit with me here, this is, where the Bible becomes really difficult. Yeah. And, and I, I say that to say, consider, you know, let's say you get laid off uh, from, from your job. You're, you're out of an income. That's tough. It really is. But you'll, you'll live, right? Yeah. I, you, you will. You, you, you've got this group around you. You might have to cut some finances back. It's, it's, it's a test in your pride. It's... it's in some ways, kind of humiliating and say, I need to stay here. I need some money or, yeah, but you'll live. Think about somebody yelling at you and you just feeling like you're the worst person. And maybe you made one mistake that was blown out of proportion. Or maybe you, you failed a class and that, that was that you didn't deserve to fail. A lot of times, you know, we, we bring trials on ourselves. But let, let's say some, some injustice has occurred to you. That's tough. 
But but again, we sit with God and the Bible a little bit, and you know what? We, we'll live. But this is where it becomes difficult. When you start to think about, well, what's, what's stuff that's not replaceable on this earth? You think about lives. You think about health. You think about these things. This is when this scripture, if, and this is, this is when this scripture becomes actually a bit audacious, to consider it pure joy when there's, where, when there's a death of somebody close to you. Yeah. Consider it pure joy when, when your health is taken from you. Consider it pure joy when there's... Uh, this, this tearing of any kind of relationship in your life, be it divorce or a strange family member, consider that pure joy is what the Bible is saying. And, and that, that sounds a bit calloused. Let's go to Hebrews 4. What, I, what I'd say is it's actually, it's actually quite, in comparison to your, your health, in comparison to the health of a loved one or a, a child, it's... you. It's easy. I'd, I'd choose to get laid off and get fired tomorrow and live in a tent if it, if it meant the health of, of, of Jordan and Bianca and new baby. And, and yeah, of course, there's not, there's not even a question. And for you guys, same is true. When stuff that's not replaceable on this earth is taken from us and we're called to have pure joy, this, this is when the rubber meets the road and it becomes quite difficult. You know, the, the, the truth is, and we're, we're in Hebrews 4. Let's, let's, just, let's just read for a minute, actually. It says, um, starting, starting in verse four, 14, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is the difference between Christianity and every other religion is that we have a high priest who is able to understand what we are going through not because he made emotions he did that not because he created the world he did that but because he went through it with you and I you you think Jesus when he's getting ready to go on the cross when he's praying in Gethsemane certainly there's there there's this idea man I I don't feel joyful right now. I'm not there yet. I, but what, is, what does the Bible say in, in, later on in Hebrews? It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And so if he didn't feel it in the moment, if he wasn't there yet, he went to God and he, and he brought himself there. This is, this is the, the truth with, with, you and my, with you and me. This is why the Bible is able to say, consider it pure joy, is because Jesus went through it. Jesus was mocked for what he believed. Lies were spouted about him left and right when he was on this earth. And then, obviously, when when he was taken off of it for a time, Jesus was humiliated, he was spit on, and he was pressed to feel shame. Jesus was indignified. You realize a loincloth was the only thing that separated his body from everyone else's eyes. The greatest injustice that ever occurred happened 2,000 years ago to a Jewish carpenter. Mm -hmm. 
And so in the, in the midst of, of suffering, the, the intense things, the real stuff, the difficult stuff, Jesus is not cheering you on from heaven. He's not pushing your back, reluctant, oh, go for it, you can do it. He's, he's right alongside you going through it as well. The Bible says we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us. Every other religion has people that say, this is the right way to do things. Do it that way. High five. They say, follow me a little bit and follow my way. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. He doesn't say, follow what I say. He says, no, I'm going to do it the right way and then follow what I do. Absolutely. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us. And so wherever you're at this morning, certainly there's there's great joys that that I, I I trust have, have occurred in your life. I, I realize as you look at, even look at your past, maybe it's in your present right now, there, there are great sufferings as well. There are things that are inexplicable. There, there, are, there are occurrences that have happened that just words on my end aren't going to do uh, any of it justice. However, the call in the Bible is to realize Jesus has not gone through it and then, and then given you a high five. He's, he's going through it with you right now. I have three questions for us this morning. Do you have the vision of yourself that God has? Are you extending grace to your brothers and sisters? And considering your current trial, are you gritting your teeth and getting through it? Or are you embracing this season? With that, we're going to have a prayer for the, the communion. Remembering Jesus is already went through it, and he's right there with you wherever you are at. Thank you so much for listening to the Kalamazoo Church of Christ podcast. If you're in the Kalamazoo area, we'd love to get connected. Please go to kalamazoo.church and fill in your information to come to a Sunday service or any other event that we have going on. In any case, you'll be hearing from us next week. Saving souls.